Look at your neighbor and say, get wild. Say, I know it's early, but get wild. I want to talk today, finish this series, talking about the spirit of the wild. The spirit of the wild. And uh, we're going to finish this series much like we started about, started the series. We started our series talking about the wildness of God and how God is, is completely wild, that he's untamed, that he's completely uncaged, that he's not really a safe God, but he's a, he's a God that, that wants to wants to roam free in our lives, that he is a God that is incredibly wild, but incredibly good. He is not tamed. And we talked about God as a fire. And we talked about, uh, you know, if you remember Hebrews 12, 29, that says our God is a consuming fire. So it's God's nature to be all consuming, to eat up everything that is within his range. Are you with me? And how many know that everything is within his range? So the, today, we're going to focus not necessarily on the fire that we're gazing at, the fire that we're approaching, the fire that we're, we're worshiping, but we're going to talk about the fire, the spirit of the wild that is inside of us, which is the Holy Spirit. That wildness that dwells in us, the power of God that dwells in us, that empowers our wildness. You know, when man was running around the earth with God, and we see this in Genesis, when, when man was roaming the earth with God, how many know that it wasn't just like, I, I don't believe that it was like, you know, one day to the next was, you know, the fall. I believe that man actually spent some time with God in the garden, in the wild, man. I think they were climbing mountains together. I believe they were cliff diving. I think that they were, they were just having a wild, good time, God and man. But a lot of times we think as God the Father being the one that was there, but we also know that whenever, whenever we read the creation story, first of all, that, that plural word, right, that talks about the Trinity being present. And we know that it was the Father, the Son, but also the Spirit. In fact, check this out. In Genesis 1-2, it says, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God, everybody said the Spirit, the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So we see in creation that the Holy Spirit was present. A lot of times as New Covenant believers, we think the Holy Spirit's only present after Acts 2. No, the Holy Spirit has always been there. Are you with me? Now that word spirit, when we talk about spirit, you know, a lot of the old schools, we would use the word Holy Ghost. I like to use that word sometimes because it, it just adds a, you know, a little bit of umph to it. And so we, when we talk about that word spirit, the old Hebrew word is ruach. Everybody say ruach. You got to at the end, right? Got right? Ruach. Everybody say ruach. So ruach is, 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 is the same word for wind. Isn't it interesting? In the book of Acts, we see a wind, right? So that word is the same word that the Hebrews would use for wind. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're saying it's the wind or the breath of God. And that, and if you look at that, it, it means, it means it can be sensible, like, like quiet, calm and tame, but it also means violent. And it's actually the, the ex- exhaling of God. So if you study that word ruach, it means the exhaling wind caused from the breath, the soul of God. Are you with me? That God breathed. It's that same wind that went into man, right? That separated man. How many know that only, only humans can contain the spirit of God? Because God breathed into man and scripture says that he became a living soul. So it's the spirit of God that makes you alive. Right? And so God breathed on us and made us alive. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we get uncomfortable a lot of times. Right? 
Because we know people have done weird things and blame the Holy Spirit for that. But how many of you know that we're dealing with a God that is extraordinary? That when God moves, many times it will look weird. And we've got to be okay with that because he's completely uncaged. He's completely different. He's foreign. He's holy. That's what holy means other than. It's different. So when God moves, it will look different than what you prefer many times. Okay? So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about a force, right? It's not like the force awakens. Although I was was in service and the force awakened. No, no, no. It wasn't a force. The Holy Spirit got a hold of your heart. And we talk about the Holy Spirit, we kind of treat him like this uh, third member of the Trinity, but we don't really like to talk about him. It's kind of like that weird uncle that you have around Thanksgiving table, right? He starts talking and everybody just kind of tunes out. They're like, well, yeah, uh-huh. And you just ignore him the rest of the year except for that day. And I feel like that this is what many believers do with the Holy Spirit because what we do is, is we're not comfortable necessarily with the time, the, the way that he functions. And, and let me say this, we need to be in love with the Holy Spirit, not just the moving of the Holy Spirit. We love that. We love when the Holy Spirit moves and touches us. But we need to be in love with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God. And let me say this. If you exclude the Holy Spirit, you are excluding God. To ignore the Holy Spirit is to ignore God. Man, I just want God to show up. He is probably showing up right now. He is probably wooing your heart. Can I tell you that he is doing that constantly throughout your day? If you'll just tune in to what he is saying. Now, last week we talked, or not last week, but two weeks ago, we talked about John the Baptist. You guys remember we talked about John the Baptist? We talked about John the Baptist was the way maker for Jesus. He was the forerunner for Jesus. And this is what John the Baptist said, and we're kind of piggy-tailing on that. What's the right word? Piggy-tailing? Yeah. Piggybacking. Piggyback. Yeah, something. So it says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, this is what John the Baptist said. Remember, John, John the Baptist was not the first Baptist. He was John the Baptizer, right? And so he said, I'll baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I am. Right? I mean, John was pretty powerful, and Jesus actually said that he was the greatest man that ever lived. You guys remember that? Then he said this, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He. Now, who's he he's talking about? Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He. Who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit? Jesus. Not a preacher. Come on, not a, not a little teaching session you go through. It's Jesus. Jesus is the bapt- John was the baptizer for repentance. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Now, that word baptism doesn't mean sprinkle. Sorry if that's... I'm not saying that if you had that, it's not legit. But the word baptize means immerse. So Jesus is the immerser in the Holy Spirit. So John says that Jesus is going to come and he's going to cover you from head to toe, totally saturate inside, outside, all of you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So when Jesus shows up on the scene, he didn't just come to, to redeem us and to save us for our sins. He actually came so he could put his spirit inside of us. Remember the disciples are like, Jesus, why are you going away? We don't want you going. Can we just stay with you forever? Remember? And he's like, no, if I don't go away, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the one that will come along inside of you and alongside of you will not be able to come. So I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And we see this happen in Acts chapter 2. Have you, beloved, experienced the immersion in the Holy Spirit? Have you been saturated with the Spirit of God in your life? 
Or have you just been redeemed? If you've just been redeemed, that's awesome. Welcome to the family. But can I tell you there is more? If someone said, what would be one way that you would describe the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I would describe it in this word, more. More. The Holy Spirit is wild. You know, what we've done, there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 35, that says this, let everything be done decently in order. How many of you guys have ever heard that? Now, typically, what we mean by that is that we don't mean, we don't want anything too crazy happening in our church service. Right? That's what, that's what we mean by that. Right? So make sure that everything's done decently in order. Other words, make sure that it's done the way I like it to be done. Can I tell you, this verse was written in a context, and, and, and if you read it, it's, it's, talks of, it's talking about prophesying and speaking in tongues. It says, let everyone prophesy, be eager to prophesy, prophesy, speak in tongues, do it all, but let everything be done decently in order. The problem that they were having in the church, it's not that those things weren't happening. It's they were happening so overwhelmingly that people were like stepping on one another to get them, oh, you, you, let me go, my turn, my turn. And, there, and so what he said, he said, listen, let everything be done decently in order. Other words, wait your turn. Other words, just let, let, let's fix this so everybody can have a go. Not, let's throw the Holy Spirit in the closet and just pull him out on Saturday nights here in the furnace. How many of you know that God's order looks much different than our order? Most of the time, order in our minds deals with our comfort level. And the Holy Spirit is the comforter. But listen, he will comfort you in the midst of chaos, what you might consider chaos, which chaos might be God's order. You're missing it. Maybe our systems and strategy and strategies need to get in order. So order in the church should look like the book of Acts. People getting healed. Come on, people getting baptized, the Holy Spirit, people prophesying. That is what order in God's kingdom looks like. Not the absence of it where everything's structured and predictable. Right? So let everything be done decently and in God's order. How's that sound? All right. So because he is wild, he empowers wildness. How many want to be set free? Let it, let it become your, your default activity to be wild. Not, you know, not, not tame, because tame is our default, because it's the society we live in. God wants you to, you to have new instincts, right? We're not instinctive anymore. We've got the system that's moving, that's functional. Do this, right? Go to school, go to college, get a job so you can pay for your college, so your kids can go to college and have the same kind of debt, right? We've got this little system. We say everybody just kind of fit into the little system, and then they're successful, Let's chain you to a desk for 40 years. So you have to get your hands dirty. Right? So I'll make sure that we don't step on anybody's toes. This whole civilized thing is way overrated. Because it's actually bondage for the individual. So what God wants to do is he wants to revitalize your spiritual instincts. So how does he empower, empower us? Now listen, you can get, we're, not, we're not advocating being ill-mannered and being rude, and all that kind of stuff. That's bondage too. But he empowers wildness. And the first way that he empowers wildness is by giving us wild love. Everybody say wild love. How many know that God wants you to be a wild lover? 
He's not looking for laborers. He's looking for lovers. Lovers, labor, right? Romans 5, 5. The love of God has been poured out in the hearts, in our hearts, by what? The Holy Spirit. By who? The Holy Spirit who was given to us. So God pours his love in our hearts by the Spirit. Did you know that you can't love God without the Spirit of God? Now we're talking, listen, when you come to Jesus, when you come to Jesus, you come to Jesus because of the Holy Spirit. And when you ask Jesus to take up residence in your life and you surrender your life to Jesus, how many of you know that, that, first of all, that was Jesus that did that. He attracted you by the Holy Spirit. And when you accept Jesus, when you're a new creation, we call this regenerated. When you're regenerated, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. That is different than being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptizing the Holy Spirit means the Holy Spirit is inside of you and now he's coming up out of you. Right? Okay. So the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given us. So the Holy Spirit reveals, first of all, the wild love of God. Romans eight sixteen. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the Holy Spirit in his wildness, he comes in and says, listen, isn't my love wild? Can't you see how drastically and how dramatically I love you? See, we think the Holy Spirit comes in and it's just there to, to tell us when we've done something stupid. Right? Which the Holy Spirit will correct you. The Holy Spirit will say, hey, you stop that. But the Holy Spirit will also go, listen, you're so beloved. You're so beloved by the Father. You're so adored by the Father. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you because I love you because I love you. What is it? That is the Holy Spirit confirming the word of God. He bears witness in our spirit that we're God's kids. I love my kids. Nothing they can do can change my love for them. Nothing. There's not one behavior they can do that will, that will not make me love them more. Not one behavior they can do to make me love them less. I love them because I love them because I love them. Because they're mine. The Holy Spirit reveals the, love, the wild love of God, and the Holy Spirit strengthens, listen, us to love God more wildly. Jesus says this in Matthew 24, verse 12. He says, the love of many, some translation says the love of most will grow cold. And he sets that up by saying, he's talking about the last days, and he says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. And so we see this in our age. We see the church growing cold in their love for God. We see many abandoning their faith. Well, it's directly attached to this prophecy that Jesus said. In the end, the love of many will grow cold. That Greek word is actually the word wax cold. So you light a candle in your house. You blow the candle out. What happens in about 10, 15 minutes? The wax gets hard again. This is what happens to many people. They lose their love. They lose their, their affection. Their love is not hot anymore. Beloved, keep your love hot. Keep your flame on. How do you do that? By having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Keep your love hot. Ezekiel 36, verse 26, speaking of the Holy Spirit, I will give you a new heart. Everybody say new. new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. Everybody say new. new. The, again, spirit, ruach, right? A spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, I love the way that the NLT says this, a tender, responsive heart. I'm just having such a hard time responding to the Lord. Ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you. Lord, I need you to come in. If you've got hardness in your life, just say, Lord, would you come? Would you fill me with your spirit? 
I want a new spirit. I want a tender, responsive heart. Lord, would you take away my heart of stone and give me, some translation says a heart of flesh, but, but I love the translation here, that we will have a tender, responsive heart, that I'll be able to hear the Lord and I'll be able to respond to the Lord by the spirit of God. And he says this, and I will put my spirit in you. And you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. How did Jesus say that we love him? We love him by obedience, right? So that's how we show the Lord that we love him. We don't just tell him we love him. We don't just put Christian bumper stickers on our car and shirts and say, I love Jesus. No, no, no. We actually obey him, right? We yield our lives to him. This is how we show God that we love him. So, so Jesus does have expectations and hopes for your life. Come on. He has, he has decrees and regulations for you to follow. And how many know that when you are full of the Spirit, following those things are easy? They're easy because you have the life inside of you. So he empowers that wild love. And then people, people will ask you when you're obedient, because we call it radical obedience, right? But obedience is just obedience. And obedience is just radical, right? When somebody tells you to do something and you do it, that's pretty radical because most of us, we're rebellious by nature. I am. Somebody tells me to do, not to do something, I'm like, mm-mm. Like, I'm going to do it simply because you said that? Am I the only one? Okay, good, good, good. Okay. But wild love is wildly obedience. Just like, yes, I want to do it. I want to do what you asked me to do. Right? So this is what the Holy Spirit does. When we are full of the Holy Spirit, when we, when we obey God, we enjoy obeying God. It's not like we're, and this is what happens is religion sets in people and they obey God and they're like, I just, so they're obeying, obeying God with their acts, but not with their heart. Right? So God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. So you enjoy obeying God. You enjoy it. It's fun. You're like, yeah, I got to obey Jesus today. And people look at you and they go, that's wild. Cause it's a wild Love. Number two, a wild life. Everybody look at your neighbor and say wild life. When we talk about that wild life, we're talking about the ridiculously extraordinary life. It's that life that we talk about a lot of times. John 10, 10, we all know it. I've come to get it. You might have life and life more abundantly. So when you come to Jesus, he gives you life. Praise God, eternal life. But listen, the Holy Spirit empowers you to have that abundant life. It puts the super on your natural. Romans 8, 6 says, the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So if you were controlled by the Spirit, by the Spirit of God, you need peace in your life? Lord, fill me with your Spirit. What do I do to get peace? Well, read these books, go to this council, be filled with the Spirit of God. Listen, I believe if that would be our default, you say, well, I've already been filled with the Spirit. Be filled more with the Spirit of God. Every day, ask the Lord to fill you with the Spirit. I do it every day. Every day when I wake up, I say, Lord, fill me with your breath. Breathe into me. Because I leak. You leak. We all leak. I mean, you know, it's a good thing that you leak the Spirit of God. It needs to be leaking out of you. It needs to be pouring out of you. So if it's pouring out of you, you need more. You know, you don't know anything's full until it's overflowing. You you ever, yeah. You know when you fill up that coffee at Starbucks, like you you go order that $6 drink and you open it and it's like two-thirds full and you're like, I want like some money back or something. 
I want a 32 ounce in a 20 ounce cup. That's what I want. <laughs> That's how you know it's full because it starts to pour out. I got a little ahead of myself, but God's called you to that abundant life. Listen, we need to enter in, beloved. We need to enter in to the residual flow of God's breath. That we are inhaling the Spirit of God and we are exhaling the Spirit of God. We're breathing in. Lord, I love you. Fill me with your Spirit today. And we're breathing out at our workplace. Signs, miracles, wonders. Come on. Good deeds, compassion, tenderness. All is just pouring out of our lives. Listen, no breath, no life. No breath, no life. What is flowing out of you? How many know that whatever comes out of you is what's in you already? And so what we do, our tendency is we start acting a certain way and we go, well, it's because this happened. No, that's not the way it works. Jesus said that out of, you know, out of your heart come the issues of life. Out of your heart come the words that you speak. Well, I just cuss. It's because I hear it all the time. No, it's because that's what's in you. Not, not that cussing's like the biggest deal in the whole world, but, but you can know what I'm saying. It's like it's because you've thought about that or if you've watched things or you've listened to things that have those words in it. And then you're like, why did I say that? Because you've been filled with something more than you've been filled with something else. Let's just be real. Right? Beloved, if our default is negativity, frustration, anger, pain, bitterness, then we need a refilling of the Holy Spirit. Because, if listen, if the Holy Spirit isn't flowing out of you, it's because the Holy Spirit isn't in you enough. I said enough. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you're not redeemed. I'm not saying you didn't have some legit experiences. But if you were continually frustrated, if you find yourself continually lashing on those around you, then the answer is not counseling. Nothing wrong with counseling. The answer is be filled with the Spirit of God. I say go there first because that's free. That's already been paid for. I say that you're a follower of Jesus and you should follow his system first. The rest of this, great if you need it. I love that stuff. I've experienced some of it. It's benefited me. But what is flowing out of you is indicative of what is inside of you. Well, I just want to be a good person. A good tree bears good fruit. It's just the way it is. So bear the spirit of God. So it's a wild life. Wild love, wild life, and wild power. Everybody say power. Check this out. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite scriptures right here. Acts chapter 10, 38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now the anointing isn't the Holy Spirit, right? But God anoints us, pours on the Holy Spirit, pours in the Holy Spirit. It says, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all, all, how many? Oh, okay. So Jesus, Jesus healed every person that approached him that was sick. Every person. None of them went away sad. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. When it speaks of God there, it's not necessarily talking about God the Father. It's talking about God the Spirit, because this is right here that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. So how did Jesus function? Jesus functioned exactly how we should function when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. 
We're like, whoa, it's so cool. Well, he's Jesus. Well, he's Jesus. Yeah, he's Jesus. And Jesus baptizes you with the same thing that he was baptized with, the Holy Spirit. Look, Acts 1.8. You. Everybody say you. Look at your neighbor and say you. Look at your other neighbor and say you too. You too will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. What do you get? Power. That word power is where we get the is dunamis. It's two kinds of power in, in scripture. One of them is exousia in the New Testament. And that means like governmental authority, right? Like I have, you know, power to make decisions at my job, that kind of thing. The other is dunamis. And dunamis is where we get the word dynamite, which is explosive, sudden, miraculous, boom, power, right? Right? Boom, power. That's good. That'll work. Boom, power. So he says, as the Holy Spirit, you will receive boom power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. In other words, you will testify of me. You will have what I had. You have that same power that we spoke of just a moment ago, the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Y'all okay today? This isn't deep. Listen. And you'll go all over the world. It's basically what he says. You'll go all over the world because you're full of power. Not because you're full of strategy. Nothing wrong with strategy. Not because you have insight. Not because you've studied demographics or went to college. Nope. You'll just go because you're filled with the power of God. The problem with all that stuff that we're talking about, uh, psychological things, systems, all, all this kind of stuff. The problem is, is, it's not that those things are bad. Those are great. God empowers people to teach those things, and, and God will use those things to help you. But listen, the problem is, is we trust those things and those systems, come on, more than we trust the Spirit of God. And we wonder why we have so many issues. Beloved, just be filled with the Spirit. Just be filled with the Spirit of God. Okay. It's not that hard. It only cost you that money. Yeah. <laughs> you give up, we say, well, how, how, we'll talk about it. You know, when we talk about Peter... You know, you guys remember Peter. We all love Peter. Peter's like this denying, whining, annoying guy, right? And Jesus and there, Jesus believed in Peter. That's what blows my mind. I'm like, Jesus, come on. I mean, you know what he's going to do. He's going to like deny you, not just once, but three times within a 24-hour period. It's more like a 12-hour period. He's going to like deny you three times. Like, come on, Jesus. Quit trusting Peter. I mean, he's no good. He's toxic right? Jesus believed in Peter. So we look at Peter, all this silly stuff that he did. And then we see him in the book of Acts. He's filled with the spirit of God. He stands up. Now here's a guy that was denying Jesus like a little over a month before that stands up, declares the gospel and thousands of people get saved. Then he does it again and again and again. In fact, Peter functioned with so much power that, that it says that his shadow, that people would look for Peter so that the shadow could cast on him and they would get healed. So Peter went from hiding in the shadows of denial to casting shadows of healing. Because he was super spiritual Pope Peter? No, because he was filled with the same spirit that filled Jesus when he functioned. Sadly, we connect more to Peter's faults and lack of belief before the baptism of the Holy Spirit more than we do him being full of the spirit. Let me say that again. Sadly, we connect more to Peter's faults and lack of belief more than we do with him being full of the Spirit. Why? We should connect with Book of Acts, Peter, more because that's our position than we do Gospels, Peter. 
Oh, I just can't. And I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, I look at Peter, I'm like, yeah, that's me too. I, I deny, reject. Why don't I see that in the book of Acts? Be like, man, my shadow healed somebody today. Not because of me, but because of what's pouring out of me. So, wild power. And listen, it's, it's, it's power with purpose. If the Holy Spirit is simply to achieve our goals and our purposes, it's a weak power. However, supernatural power is a power that overpowers and overtakes you to empower others. So it's not just, the Holy Spirit isn't just for your experience. See, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is not simply to enhance our experience, but to empower our effectiveness. Do I need to say that again? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is not simply to enhance our experience, but to empower our effectiveness. He came to make you effective. I love what R.A. Torrey says. The Holy Spirit is not an it that we get a hold of for our purposes. He is a who that gets a hold of us for his purposes. He makes your love hot. So how do we unleash this wildfire in our lives? How do we get more full of the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, you turn him loose. The Celtic Christians would refer to the Holy Spirit as a wild goose. Isn't that crazy? Um, Because wild geese are are not controllable. You can't restrain a wild goose or bend it to your will. They're unpredictable and loud. So these Celtic Christians refer to the Holy Spirit not as a a dove that just kind of makes you feel better. They actually refer to him as a wild goose. They use that illustration because they were loud and disruptive and surprising. So turn him loose. Turn the goose loose. First Thessalonians, Pastor Emlyn and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago. First Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. So it's crazy, this untamable, God is somehow tamed by us. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. One, another translation says this, quench. And that's the more accurate Greek word, quench. What does that mean? It means like when you quench a fire, it means you throw water on a fire. So the Josh Brown paraphrase is this, don't tame and cage the wildfire inside of you. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Turn him loose. And, you know, we sing a song that says, we give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. We give you permission. We're saying, Lord, would you come and have free reign? Holy Spirit, would you run rampant in my life? I don't care if I look stupid. I don't care if I look foolish. I know the only way I'll be of any benefit to mankind is if you fill me with your Spirit. So turn them loose. Number two, ask for more. Ask for more. Every day, again, every day I ask the Lord that. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Didn't you pray that yesterday? Yeah. 1993, July 4th, I remember I was seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, Lord, please, for three months, and then one night it happened. Is that a service? God lit me on fire. And I tell you, I've never been the same since then. I I got saved months before that. I was right with the Lord. But I'm telling you, that moment transformed my life. And I've, I've never lived without it. But I'm not satisfied with what I have today. I want more. 
So every day I say, Lord, fill me more with your spirit. Fill me, Lord, that when, when I get around people that are in bondage, that they're set free. When they're insecure, that they, they know their identity. Ephesians 5.18 says this. It says that, this isn't in your notes, but it says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. In other words, be filled. With, if you study it in the Greek, the word is be being filled. It's kind of like if you don't get drunk by having a glass of wine or a beer, right? You have it by continually drinking. So he's saying in the same way that you would get drunk, inebriated, be inebriated by the spirit, be being filled, continually drinking in the Holy Spirit. So just ask for more. You need more. You, beloved, you need more. Would you agree? I need more. You know, we, our son Uriah has some delays and, uh, he doesn't always make his words out right. And we're in a, a season, you know, he's a toddler and they're learning to communicate. And that's a very frustrating season for a parent. Um, we'll make it. <laughs> and what toddlers do is they try to verbalize themselves and then they get frustrated. Well, Uriah has this thing where he gets really frustrated. Some of y'all saw it this morning and he just kind of throws these violent fits and he doesn't say anything. I told Leslie last night, we're laying in bed, bed and we're talking about it. And I said, I said, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, naturally, it's kind of the way I am. I throw the fit and then I, then I communicate later. Um, why do you act like that? Well, it's because, so with Uriah, we, we do this with him. We go, buddy, use your words. Use your words. Leslie's so patient with him. I have to go to the other room because I need more of the spirit of God. And she goes, buddy, use your words. Green iPad, green green iPad, buddy, use your words. Don't just throw the iPad on the ground. Use your words. How do you you get more filled with the Holy Spirit? Use your words. Listen, Luke 11, verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. We apply that to everything. Our needs. This, look at this. Hold up. Never read a Bible verse. Never read one Bible verse, right? Verse 11. Which one of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a steak instead? Or if he asks for an egg, he'll give him a scorpion. <laughs> That's not very nice. If you then are evil, know how to get good gifts to your kids, how much more with our good heavenly father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? So listen, you don't have to be afraid. Oh, crazy. It'll be so much better than you imagine. Ask, seek, and find, and the door will be open. For me, it's three months to open that door, and then now it's a little easier to get in that door. But listen, God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Ask. Turn them loose. Ask. Number three, receive. Receive the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes the Lord's like, here it is. And we go, I don't know. Ah! Ah! John 20, 22 says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That same breath. Come on. That same breath that hovered over the waters. Jesus breathed on the disciples. And it transformed their lives. Let's stand up in this place. In Acts chapter 19, 
Paul runs across some Christians, people that were following Jesus. And he asks them this question that I'm asking you today. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They were believers. They were doing good. But essentially he's saying, do you want more? We've got more for you. God has more for you. Have you experienced this immersion?